Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you all here today at uh, Boulevard Bible Chapel. Thank you all very much for your prayers um, <clears throat> and encouragement in the Lord. God was gracious to bring us safely here uh, yesterday. Friday afternoon we were in Canada, uh, but we're thankful for God's grace in bringing us here. Yesterday they allowed me to fly next to a pilot for the entire flight. Yeah, it was a neat experience. And for most of the flight, he was studying. He was studying on a little tablet. Turns out he wasn't the pilot who was flying the plane. (laughs) But uh, he was sitting in the back of the plane where where I was sitting. And um, about midway through the flight, well, earlier on actually, um, it's been a busy couple weeks and we're so thankful for all of God's blessing and help and uh, souls trusting Christ, believers being encouraged in the Lord. And um, I think it was maybe about 30 minutes or so into the flight, I realized, wait a minute, this gentleman sitting next to me, I should probably seek opportunity to share the gospel with him. And um, so I asked him, uh, well, he, he'd asked me actually why I was going to Florida, so I told him I was coming to Boulevard Bible Chapel, and Lord Welling was going to be speaking here this morning and speaking at the Vacation Bible School during the week. And So then I asked him a question that I sometimes like to ask people. Feel free to use this question. It's um, very helpful at times. I asked him, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Or do you have much spiritual beliefs? He thought for a moment and he said, we're more of kind of like Christmas and Easter, go to church kind of thing. And um, then I asked him another question that I like to ask people. I would encourage you to use this question. I've used it here in the States uh, for those... Por los que hablan español, puede hacer esta pregunta en español también. Puede decir, ¿sabe si va a los cielos con Dios? I like to use this question in Spanish too. Um, but in English it would be, do you know for sure if you're going to heaven? So I asked this gentleman that question yesterday. And um, he thought he was going to heaven. And he, he appeared fairly confident. So I asked him another question that I'd encourage you to ask people, which was, why do you think you're going to heaven? He said, because I'm a good person. So then I asked him if he knew how many people the Lord Jesus said are good. And he said, no. And so I shared with him that Jesus said that nobody is good except God alone. And went on to share with him that um, before God, there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, we all need a Savior. And that's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross so we can be forgiven of our sins. And later on in the conversation, we talked about dinosaurs and creation and all kinds of different things, Christian evidences. Um, But you can pray for this pilot uh, that I got to sit next to on the flight yesterday. Um, He did in the course of our conversation. He also asked me, what are you going to speak about tomorrow morning? And so I shared with him, I'm going to speak about what is life. So that's our topic for this morning. What is life? And if you don't mind, I'll pray once more. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. Please open our hearts to receive your word. And if there is one or more here who have not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, we pray that today and even this morning may be the time when they 
receive the Lord Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. We ask in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I asked the pilot yesterday, what do you think? What is life? And uh, he shared with me that he didn't think we should waste life by sitting on a couch in front of a TV all day long or something like that. Um, And I shared with him that it it gets a bit more deep than that because um, God tells us in James chapter 4, if you have your Bible, you can open up to James chapter 4. When you consider the question, what is life? There are probably a lot of different ideas that come to different people's minds. Some people might think that life is to seek pleasure or to seek happiness or to get a good job or to grow a family. What is life? God tells us in James chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow... We will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Our physical lives here on earth are so brief. At best, some people these days may live to 100, 120 years old uh, in very rare circumstances. But even a life of 120 years compared to eternity, how long is a life of 120 years? It's just like a, a blip on the radar at best. Compared to eternity, even 120 years is so short. And so I would encourage each of us this morning to consider what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? And to live your life for the purpose that God has created you for. Someone has said that life is the dash between two dates on a tombstone. But God wants your life to be much more than a dash between your birth and death recorded on a tombstone. So we're going to talk this morning about what is the purpose of life. Let's take a look in Matthew chapter 16. Here we have a warning from the Lord Jesus Christ regarding life and how our lives should be lived. What our lives are for. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and we'll begin with verse 25. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 25. Jesus said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world And loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Many people seek to spend their lives accumulating 
treasures or stores here on earth. But Jesus taught, taught us, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. In other words, if you and I spend our lives just living for whatever we consider to be life, whether it's work, family, fame, pleasure, happiness, or something else, and our life is not focused on God and the purpose God has given for our lives, Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life, whoever wants to hold on to it, will lose it. Have you ever seen a hearse? I'm sorry, have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? No, because people can't take the treasures they store up here on earth with them beyond this mere, short, physical life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, if we just live for the things of this world, it's all going to be gone one day. The Bible talks about a time when the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up and there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So if the physical things we see in this life will not last, what then should we live for? Well, number one, we must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, understanding that we've been guilty sinners... We can't get to heaven by being good people. We cannot get to heaven by our own good works because even one sin is enough to keep us out of heaven and our good works don't erase our bad works before God. God says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sin. And that's why God came in the person of Jesus Christ and he lived the perfect life and the Lord Jesus shed his blood so we can be washed clean and forgiven of our sins. And so when we realize as guilty sinners we need a Savior and Jesus is the Savior we need, you can cry out to God. And God says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You could say something even as simple as, yes, Lord Jesus, save me. And receive Him as your Savior. And from that moment, you can have eternal life. And then you can begin living for the purpose that God created you for. Because Jesus said, as recorded here in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Would you sell one of your eyes for $100? How about $1,000? How about $100,000? Would you sell both eyes for a billion dollars? then how valuable is your soul? The real you that lives inside of your body is so valuable and it will exist somewhere forever. But there's really only two options. If we reject the Lord Jesus and his salvation, it would be hell and the lake of fire forever, which is not eternal life. Instead, the Bible talks about that as the second death, separation from God forever eternal torment, judgment. But that's not what God wants for us. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that we should change our minds and realize we need God. God loves us. 
God has a plan and a purpose for our life and we need Jesus to be our Savior. And then once we receive him as our Savior, we're saved and we can begin living for the Lord Jesus. Because what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Wouldn't that be a bad deal? If you got all the wealth in the whole world for this little blip on the radar, as it were, but then you lost your soul for eternity. How much better to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and begin to live out God's purpose for your life, perhaps even starting today, if today is the day that you will receive the Lord Jesus. What is life? I'd like to consider especially what is the purpose of life. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. In verse 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Here it speaks about the Son of God through whom everything was created. God tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through Him and for Him. You see, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together in your mother's womb. And you were made for a purpose. I was in an airport in Canada. I was riding uh, like a tram or something from from one terminal to another. And I was speaking with a gentleman and I found out that he was a designer of golf courses. And I asked him, do you know what the purpose of life is? I'd encourage you to ask people that question. It very quickly gets you beyond the weather to consider what really matters in life. And so I asked this gentleman, do you know what the purpose of life is? Do you know what he said? Here he's a designer of golf courses. Apparently he probably had some you know, intellectual understanding, probably some wealth. But he said, I have absolutely no idea. Can you believe that? A gentleman, probably in his 50s, designer of golf courses, but had absolutely no idea what the purpose of life is. Please don't leave here this morning without understanding what the purpose of life is. God tells us here regarding the Son of God, all things were created through Him and for Him. You were created for the Son of God. You were created to know Him, to love Him. God wants you to be saved, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then for Christ to live in you. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, there's a beautiful verse that talks about how God wants our lives to be. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, And it says here in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 in verse 20. Or you can just listen. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. You see, when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, there's a real sense in which we 
We die to ourselves. We've been crucified with Christ. We've died with Him, been buried with Him, and then we have, we have a new life in Jesus Christ to live for Jesus. And so Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. <clears throat> that is true life. That is spiritual life. When Christ lives in you. Christ in us, we're told in Scripture. He's our hope of glory. Another Scripture talks about how God's desire is that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. That He would be at home in us. That we would live our lives to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we would allow our God to do His work through us for God's glory. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And it's not just that we kind of pull up to God to, you know, get our fill of spiritual power and then we drive away to live our lives. No, it's perhaps more like a cell phone where without that battery inside, without the power source, we can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But with Christ in us, our hope of glory and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, God can empower us to live our lives for Jesus Christ, to live for the purpose we've been created for. Let's take a look at another verse in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, just a little bit after Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, and I'd like to start at the end of verse 11. Colossians chapter 3 and starting at the end of verse 11. It says, Christ is all and in all. And just before that, Paul had talked about different ethnic backgrounds And how that is not the focus when we become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can thank God for our ethnic backgrounds, but the focus really is Christ. Because Christ is all and in all. You see, He's the one who really matters. God's desire is that the Lord Jesus Christ would have the preeminence, first place in our lives. So that means that as we're in our homes, as we are interacting with our families, is you interact with people in the workplace. The one who God wants to be seen through your life and mine is Jesus Christ. What do people see when they interact with you? What do they see when they interact with me? Sometimes they don't see what they should see, do they? If we're responding in the flesh, if we're feeling stressed, and instead of trusting in God and His ability to work through us, if instead we just respond in the flesh and try and manipulate circumstances by our words or emotions, what people see sometimes may not be very pleasant. But God wants people to see Christ, Christ in us. He's our hope of glory. Christ is all and in all. What does it look like as people may see Christ through our lives? 
Let's take a look here, beginning in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, Therefore, as the elect are chosen of God, holy, holy, that means we're set apart. God wants our lives as believers in Jesus Christ to be set apart from sin and set apart to God so that our lives are being lived for our God, not for ourselves. Is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. So we're to clothe ourselves with these things. As God's spirit dwells within us, the fruit of the spirit of God should be evident in flowing out through our lives. Put on tender mercies or compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Humility and meekness, those are not things that the world would tend to necessarily look at as good things. Uh, From perhaps some leaders in the country to businesses and corporations, the world would seek to exalt self and to exalt pride. But that is not God's way. God says pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So as believers in Jesus Christ, instead of seeking to exalt ourselves and being proud of ourselves, we should glory in God. God says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1. It says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Our boasting should be in Jesus Christ our Lord. You think of John the Baptist. Remember what he said regarding Jesus? Not only did he say that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he also said regarding Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so as we realize that our lives are not for ourselves, but for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Son of God, our Creator, and for Jesus who died to be our Savior. And as we realize the great love of God and we respond to the love of God to seek to love God in return, we realize we should live with humility, with meekness. We should be clothed with tender mercies or compassion and kindness. Verse 13 It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now, this is very practical because if you're perfect on your own, please raise your hand. (laughs) So if none of us are perfect on our own, that means we need to bear with one another. And we need to do like God says and forgive one another. Because if we don't, what will happen? There will be walls and barriers of grudges and offenses that will create disunity in the body of Christ. And Jesus prayed that the church, all the believers in the Lord Jesus, that we would be one, even as he and the Father are one. So let's let Christ dwell in us by faith. And let's let him be seen through our lives. Let's bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave us, so we also must do. Verse 14 says, But above all these things, put on love, 
which is the bond of perfection. So not only are we to bear with one another and kind of put up with each other, but we're to love one another. Scripture says we're to let our love abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So as we gather as believers, and even as we leave from here, and as we co-labor in the gospel during the vacation Bible school, let's love one another. Let's pray for one another. The scripture talks about the importance of us being watchful and praying for all the saints. Because we all need God's help, don't we? And we all do face stresses. We all do face trials. We all do face hard times. And so we all need the prayers of the saints that we may humbly live our lives to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the things that we do in our life just for ourselves, they will pass away. But God tells us in His Word in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And as you labor this week in the Vacation Bible School, those of you who are going to be a part of that, or whatever else God gives you to do in the name of the Lord Jesus this week, your labor is not in vain. God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, we're loved by God. We love one another in the body of Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you live day by day for the Lord Jesus, your labor is not in vain. Your life is not simply a dash between two dates on a tombstone. No, your life is for God and God will reward you one day for the things you do in the name of the Lord Jesus And for the glory of God, we have a purpose in our lives to live for Jesus Christ. If you were to describe your life in one phrase, how would you fill in the blank? To live, or for me, to live is And some of you know how the blank is supposed to be filled in because God tells us in his word what our lives should be all about. And it is good for us to have physical life and it's even better for us to have spiritual life through receiving the Lord Jesus. And God tells us in Philippians chapter 1. And here's another question. If your friends at work were to describe your life, how would they fill in the blank? If they were to say for, and then your name, to live is, what would they think your life is all about? It's a challenging question, isn't it? May God help us to live our lives, whether it's out on the streets, whether it's when shopping at Walmart or wherever you go, or whether it's in the workplace or in the home. May God help us to live our lives in such a way that people would not say about us, to me to live is work, or to me to live is money, or to me to live is fame, or to me to live is anything other than what God says right here in his word. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, for to me, to live 
is Christ. You see, we were created by Him and for Him. And life is really all about Jesus Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. May God help us to live that out in our lives, to live Christ. Christ living in us. How can that come about in our lives? How can we encourage this living out of Christ in us, our hope of glory? Colossians chapter 3, continuing on from verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. If God wants his peace to rule in our hearts, then what should we do whenever we realize that we're not experiencing God's peace? We should do what God calls us to do and cast our burdens upon the Lord and know that he will sustain us. God says we're to cast all our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. God says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication or specific praying, let our requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving in the peace of God will fill our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I would encourage you, encourage each of us to seek as we go through this week, if you begin to feel stressed at some point, if you begin to realize you're being tempted to respond or talk or have attitudes in the flesh instead of it being led by the Spirit of God, cast your burdens on the Lord. Cast your cares upon Him. Let God give you His peace. And let His peace guard your heart, rule in your heart. Verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. My family and I, we live in Yonkers, New York. And... Um, we live nearby a park, and we don't have a driveway, so we need to park in various places. And I think one day I was going back to the van for something that was parked by the park, and I happened to look in through a man's car. Often I like to pass out good news, hand people um, gospel tracts that explain how they can know the Lord Jesus, how they can have eternal life. And um, <clears throat> So I saw a gentleman sitting in his car I think I thought might be a good opportunity to offer the good news, and I noticed... He had a holy Bible, una santa Biblia, a bilingual Bible, English-Spanish, sitting right there on the seat of his car. And so I went over and said hello to him, and we began talking. And um, he began to talk about the Word of God and to say things like, oh, the Word of God, it's so, it's so rich. You need to eat it. You need to let it dwell in you and live in you and, ah, oh, the Word of God is so rich. And so he understood the importance of the Word of God. We're to feed upon the Word of God. It's our spiritual food. It's milk for the young. It's meat for the older. And we're to let it richly dwell within us. And this brother in the Lord was allowing God's Word to richly dwell in him. Here's a challenging thought to consider. What are you more passionate about? Your favorite sports team or musician or the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
what is the theme that's most often on our lips as we communicate with people in the world? You see, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as we let God's word richly dwell in us, and we realize that our life is hidden with Christ and God, and that what really matters is Jesus Christ, and the eternal life we have in Him, and that we live our lives for Christ, for eternal purposes, then we can speak out about the Lord Jesus and tell other people about God, this most wonderful individual who we've come to know personally, who has washed us clean and forgiven us of our sins and given us a home and an inheritance in heaven that nobody can take away from us. And so God tells us at the start of Colossians 3 that if we've been raised with Christ, we're to seek those things which are above. We're to set our minds on things which are above, not on things of the earth. May the Lord help us to do this because as we do, we will live our lives with an eternal purpose live our lives from an eternal perspective. The world would say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But that is not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is, like it says here in verse 17, and whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So here's a question to consider. If you or I cannot do something in the name of the Lord Jesus, should we do it at all? No. No. Because God says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think of what my parents said when I was young. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. That's good advice for us in stressful situations, isn't it? If we don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Because God says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if we can't do something in Jesus' name, don't do it. Because God says we've been crucified with Christ. We've died with him. We've been buried with him. And the new life that we have in Jesus Christ is to be lived for our God, not for our own selfish or sinful desires. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we see there that our communication within the body of Christ is to be encouraging and we're to set our minds on things above, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, even as we were doing here. But what difference does it make if you're in your home or your apartment, if you start singing to the Lord while you're washing the dishes or sweeping the floor or doing whatever some of your responsibilities or some of the ways you might choose out of love for God to serve within the home. What difference does it make if you begin to sing to the Lord because you love the Lord as you do those things? It helps to remind us that we're doing them for the Lord Jesus. And then it's not just a duty that you have to do, but it's something you're doing out of love for God, out of service to the Lord Jesus. And God has rewards for those who serve him. 
May the Lord help us to do all that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus and to the glory of our great God. Here it says we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So imagine you have a cup of hot coffee, maybe three creams, two sugars, or whatever the way is that you like it. And you got your cup of hot coffee and you're walking along and somebody bumps into you. What might spill out on them? Hot coffee. Now, if we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, and then someone bumps into us, what's likely to spill out? The word of God. The word of God. The character of our Lord Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit. Because that's what we're dwelling on. We're setting our minds on things above. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we put our focus on the Lord Jesus and remember the purpose of our life, that to live is Christ, then what spills out of our life in good and difficult circumstances by God's grace can be the word of God and about the Lord Jesus and the character of Christ shining through our lives. As we face trials and difficulties, God's purpose is to conform us to the image of Christ. And that's why God says in the book of James that we're to consider it pure joy as we face trials of many kinds. And you might say, wait a minute, trials are hard, they're painful. I don't like trials. But God has a purpose for allowing trials in our lives. Consider it pure joy, my brethren as you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and patience character, and character hope. God wants to use the hard times in our life to make us more like the Lord Jesus. What did the Lord Jesus do when people were crucifying Him and He was hanging there upon the cross? Remember His words of love and grace? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So as we face trials, as we face hardships, may the Lord help us to be like the Lord Jesus. And instead of responding in the flesh, may we respond in the Spirit through Christ living in us. And may we forgive others. May we show the love of Christ to others. May we pray for others and bless them and show love to them, even as they might persecute us or seek to harm us or speak evil about us. May we not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God can do this in our lives for his glory as we focus on Jesus. When we realize that all in our lives is not as it should be, what should we do? I believe one good thing for us to do is to pray for revival. Some might ask, is it it biblical to pray for revival? Did you know there's a prayer for revival in the scriptures? In fact, the longest song in the Bible within the book of Psalms is a prayer for revival. Psalm 119. I would encourage you to take a look at that psalm and read through it. If it takes you several days, that's okay. 
because I think there's about 160 verses in that psalm. Practically every verse of that psalm speaks about the word of God. And God wants to use his word to revive us and wash us and cleanse us and mold us and shape us into the people God wants us to be. And in Psalm 119, I believe it's at least eight times that the psalmist prayed, revive me, revive me, revive me, O Lord, revive me. Because you see, there's a purpose for our lives. And if we focus our lives on the things of this earth, we're not living out the purpose God has for our lives. And so we can pray, O Lord, revive me. That our life would be what our God wants it to be. That we'd be living it for Jesus Christ, for his honor and glory. That he would be the one we're passionate about. That he would be the one we want to talk to others about. That his character would be seen through our lives as he lives in us. And so the psalmist prayed things like, Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. You see, God has promised us that we have new life in Jesus Christ if we've received him as our Savior. So God wants us to be revived. He wants us to be living for Christ. And the direction in which God wants to revive us is according to God's word that we would be obeying his word so we can pray that God will revive us according to his word, that we'd be living in obedience to his word, letting his word richly dwell in us, our lives being transformed to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we fall short, what should we do? We should confess our sins. And if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God promises that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't stand here as an individual perfect in and of myself. Far from it. Just talk to my wife if, (laughs) if you want to know about that. But God is good. And if you've received the Lord Jesus, you have new life in Christ. And because of Jesus, I have new life in Christ. A life to be lived for the Son of God. And may it be true of you and may it be true of me that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, when you die, you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And you'll no longer have the struggles with our sinful flesh. No longer be tempted by sin like we are during this short time here on earth. But we'll be with the one whom our souls love. With the Lord forever. But during this time he's given us, let's remember what the purpose of of our lives is. And that to me, to live, is Christ. Well, God bless you and... Let's pray.